there is a long-term and fundamental debate on the question, which is, what is the contribution of financial performance, financial profitability to value creation? You all have in mind some comments made by people about, well, if you are in a new economy, in a digital economy, it's bad to generate profits because it means that you don't invest enough in the future and you're not creating value in the long run. This is why when a company starts generating profit, um, the, the dream is over and this is very bad news for the investors. I will not give you a definitive answer to this debate. I just want to give you a small and modest contribution under the form of a short story which recently happened in the stock market and which is related to Twitter and the announcement of Q3 and Q4 2019 for Twitter, the impact on the stock price. Of course, you all know Twitter and you all know the first and very well-known tweet which was uh, issued by Jack Dorsey just setting up my Twitter. Uh, there are some other tweets which are quite famous with a nice picture you can see on the graph here. This is a plane in the Hudson River and you all know the film which was uh, derived from that. Now, if you look at the two years preceding the IPO of Twitter when the company went public, I say from November 2011 to November 2013, the evolution of the value of Twitter is quite dramatic. In November 2011, the value of the company uh, is about $13. Capital, venture capital is ready to pay $13 for each and every share. Then it goes up to 14, 18, goes down to 17. Uh, the underwriters in October 2013 are going to suggest a price range of 17 to $20. IPO S1 document is about 18.5. When the company goes public on November 7, the stock price starts at 26 and is going to end up at $46 per share, which is a market value of equity of $31 billion. During the last quarter of uh, 2013, the price range will be between $39 and $75. Though the beginning is quite bright, the following years are going to be a little bit more difficult. If you look at the graph and the evolution of NASDAQ, NASDAQ from 2013 to 2019 is going to move from about 4,000 to about 9,500, which is a dramatic increase. In the meantime, what happened to Twitter is a little bit less glorious. Uh, you remember that the stock price went up to 60, 70, 75. Then it stabilized to about 40 and it dramatically went down to a low point about $15, gradually up to uh, 2018. And what is very interesting is end of 2019, you have a very significant and brutal drop in the stock price, which is followed by stabilization and then up again. We are going to look at this very interesting moment, which is a publication of the third and the fourth quarter of 2019 and the impact on the stock price. Twitter is going to publish the third quarter on October 24. The immediate impact on the stock price is that it's going to go down from 38.8 down to 30.75. So it's a dramatic drop. And then the stock price is going to be stable up to about mid-December, December 17. Then there will be a small increase up to $33. And the stock price is going to be reasonably stable up to the 5th of February. The announcement of Q4 and full year 2019 will take place on February 6th. And the stock price will be 
back to $38. Though you understand that Q3 was bad news and Q4 was good news, the question is, of course, what will be the cause of this drop and then increase? Is it about growth? Is it about profitability? Is it about both? Let's first have a look at the evolution of sales growth. Here on the graph, you see the quarterly sales figure of Twitter. It started slowly, that in 20 up, there was a stabilization about 2016 to 2018, and then it's up again. You understand that advertising services are the main bulk of the total sales of the company. Data licensing is smoothly growing, but definitely they make money with advertising services. You also see that there is a seasonality. Of course, advertising is a very seasonal figure. When you look at Facebook, you have exactly the same seasonality. Why? Because you spend more in advertising when people spend more, which is the last quarter of the year. So this seasonality is absolutely normal. What is very interesting when you look at the evolution of Twitter is that Q3 is bad news. Because Q3 2018 against 2017 was a growth of 25%. Now, a year later, Q3 19 as opposed to 18 is growth of 8%. So the growth rate is down from 25 to 8%. This is bad news, and this might be a cause of the drop in the stock price. But if you look at Q4 now, Q4 is again the same story. Because Q4, 18 as opposed to 17 is plus 23%, and 19 as opposed to 18 is only 12%. And when the company is announcing Q4, it's announcing the full year rate. 2018 as opposed to 2017 is plus 25% on a full year basis. Well, 19 as opposed to 18 is only 14%. So it's no good news. It's bad news for Q3, but no better news for Q4. So there is nothing which is changing from QC to Q4, which might suggest that the evolution of growth is going to be good news in Q4. So you understand that growth is slowing down for Twitter. Q3 is bad news and Q4 is no good news. So you cannot consider probably, that the announcement on the growth in the sales figure of the company is explaining Q3 and Q4. You have to find, probably, the explanation somewhere else. Now, let's have a look at the P&L, because if growth is not the cause, maybe it's profitability. If you look at the P&L, you have the top line, which is about sales. You deduct the cost of sales and you get to the gross margin. And then you deduct a cost, which is an investment, research and development, and two cost items, which are real costs, sales and marketing on the one hand, general and administrative on the other hand. When you have deducted these three costs, you get to the operating income, the operating profit before interest and taxes. Of course, in the early years of Twitter, the gross margin is very low, quite marginal. Starting in 2013, 2014, it's going to stabilize uh, in the range 60% to 70%. What's interesting is to have a look at the last five years, 2015, 2016, when Q3 is less than Q2. The profitability, the gross margin, which is announced for the third quarter is less than the one for the second quarter. And what is the consequence in both years? It's a profit decrease. So it's really bad news for the company on a full year basis. 2017 and 2018 is a different story because then Q3 is better than Q2. And the consequence for the full year is a profit increase. So you understand that when you compare Q3 and Q2, 
You have a kind of proxy for the full year. When it goes down, it's bad news for the full year. When it goes up, it's good news for the full year. Now, when you look at 2019, Q3 is less than Q2. So it seems that you are in the profile of 2015 and 2016. This is why it's going to be regarded as very pessimistic news. But if you look at Q4, now it's better than Q1, Q2, and Q3. So you can interpret the evolution of the gross margin as Q3 is pessimistic news, Q4 is much more optimistic. That's for the gross margin. Now let's have a look at three different graphs with R&D, sales and marketing, and general and administrative expenses. For all the graphs, I'm going to put in purple the sales figure so that you have an idea about the evolution of the sales as opposed to the cost items. And I give you the cost items in percentage to sales and in absolute dollar terms. If you look at research and development first, you see a downward trend from Q1 2014. So it goes down, then it stabilizes at around 20% to sales, and it's quasi-stable from the first quarter of 2018. You draw up the figure in Q4 2018, it's probably due to sales seasonality because the absolute figure is not down, and Q3 is an increase back to 20% in Q4, but it's an increase in absolute value. The reduction in percentage is again due to seasonality. Well, R&D is now down, but that's good news because R&D is an investment. It's not a cost. Of course, you can improve the figure, reducing the R&D cost, but then it is at the expense of the long-term performance, growth, and sustainability of the company. So definitely, we should not try to find a cause in the R&D. It's a different story for sales and marketing and for general and admin. If you look at the same type of graph, you understand that there is a decrease in percentage for sales and marketing starting first quarter of 2014. Then you have a low point, which is Q4 2018, and then a strong increase, Q1 and Q2. It stabilizes Q3 2019, and then you have a significant drop in Q4. The difficulty is about interpretation, because sales and marketing expenses are discretionary expenses. And so if you see an increase in these costs and you want to show a better quarter at the end of the year so that investors are happy, you can postpone expenses. You can uh, reduce the account. You can postpone uh, hiring people. And then what's going to happen? You're going to show a better figure at the expense of marketing, of sales, support, natural inbound or whatsoever. You reduce your cost, but at the end of the day, you are going to pay it the next year. So it's difficult to interpret that. You have exactly the same difficulty in general and admin. Of course, you can observe that there is a slight decrease since 2014 until the fourth quarter of 2018. You have an increase in Q1, Q2, and Q3 2019, and a slight decrease Q4 2019. How do you interpret that? Well, that's a little bit difficult because, again, this is about discretionary expenses. So you postpone the hiring of a few accountants, you improve the figure, but you don't solve any problem at all. What is very interesting is to observe the consequence on what is named the adjusted EBITDA. EBITDA is not the operating profit, it is a 
cash operating profit. So before you take into account depreciation and amortization, adjusted means that you have calculated an EBITDA as if nothing special and contextual and exceptional has happened during the period. What you observe is obviously during the first years, the company is generating losses, then it goes beyond break-even, EBITDA is going to go up and up. And what is happening in 2019 is that at the very beginning of the year, it's dramatic because the EBITDA is collapsing. Q4 is good news as a consequence of a small increase in the gross margin, stabilization of R&D, uh, some small and marginal but still improvements in sales and marketing, general and administrative. So you understand that the Q3 is bad news because it's a continuation of a downward trend which started at the beginning of 2019. And Q4 shows a different story, which is now we're back to a better level of profitability and we are back to an EBITDA, which represents about 40% to sales. Before we conclude on Twitter, I would like to give you a few words about Snap, Snapchat, Snap Inc. Because, of course, as the company is listed, it is publishing on a regular basis its accounts. What happened when Snap published the third quarter of 2019 on October 23rd? Well, the company is showing a sales increase by 50%. 50% sales increase is Q3 19 as opposed to 18. The good news is that losses are down, are down by one third. For this quarter, the net income, the net earnings, the bottom line represents a loss of 50% to sales. What does it mean you lose 50% to sales? It means that when you generate a revenue of $100, your costs are $150. And then you generate a loss, which is $50. Of course, this is much better, between quotes, than the good news of Q3 2018, because the loss was 120% to sales, which means that when you generate revenues of 100, your costs represent 210. That's good news, but that's not yet profitability. What is interesting is to observe that the stock price is stable, when the company announces that growth is up, significantly up, and losses are down. But if you compare Snap and Twitter, what's very interesting is to compare the sales figure. 2019 is $1.7 billion for Snap, which is half of Twitter annual sales. Snap is losing $1 billion when Twitter is earning $400 million before tax. The growth is 50% for Snap and 15% for Twitter. What is interesting to observe is that the market capitalization of Snap is $25 billion when it is $28 billion for Twitter, so the value of these two companies is quite the same. Of course, the situation of these two companies is quite different. Snap is much smaller, half of Twitter, growing at a higher rate, but far from being profitable. Snap is a little bit the classical new economy story with losses, but still a big value. Twitter is a different story. And in the end, if you try to go back to financial theory, you understand that, uh, according to the theory, performance, long-term performance, is a unique source of value. Growth consumes financial resources and is going to accelerate value creation when the company is profitable, value destruction when the company is not profitable. Obviously, this is valid for the so-called old economy, 
But it's also a little bit valid for the new economy. Of course, the time horizon is different from the new economy as opposed to the old economy. Some expenses such as R&D are very big on our actual investments, even though they are immediately amortized in the P&L and so on and so forth. The situation is different. But what is very interesting to observe is that the Twitter stock price evolution might be interpreted as it's a consequence of lower adjusted EBITDA and then later higher adjusted EBITDA. So definitely performance, and in that case, short-term performance, has an impact on the stock price. What is the stock price today of Twitter? It's about $36. It's a bit less than $38, but it is due to the pandemia, which has a huge impact on the evolution of stock markets. What is going to be very interesting is to observe what is going to be announced by Twitter on the first quarter of 2020. Are we going to see the same evolution of the stock price as the evolution of the short-term P&L? That's going to be very interesting. Thank you very much.